Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot turn back. Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative Intellectual Idiots, fostering political and cultural literacy. Bell the Body Snatcher on the ones and twos. He, as always, is Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. And we do apologize for our lateness this week on getting a show released to you, our adoring fans, the three of you that we have. Uh, Corey had a bit of a, an emergency that turned out to not be such an emergency, but was still a little bit of an emergency. And so we weren't able to record Wednesday I night. But here we are on a Saturday morning. Play it up, Dan. So Corey's crotch goblin got hurt. There, the reason, you know, it's only detrimental in extenuating circumstances where we do not bring you the show on our Thursday because we know that you, the listener, relies on us to get you through the week. Mm, absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, when oh, it comes to my son, fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say when my son hurts his foot <laughs> and I have to go take him to urgent care. And uh, and like I was just saying before the show, in some sort of weird cosmic karma, I ended up hurting my foot on Friday. And it's just I, the irony is not lost that I was texting these boys on Wednesday that I think my son might be playing up the injury and that he might be faking it a little bit. And now I can barely walk, so thanks, I guess. It did, Karma, it did turn whatever. out, though, that the little guy, the diagnosis was, in fact, a sprained ankle, correct? Yeah, we're gonna we're just going to lob it off at the knee. <laughs> That's what they would have so done. We don't have to the, deal with this type of issues ever again. That's what they would have done in the, in the, uh, the Civil War days. Right. Or he's, just, is he not identifying, some he not identifying with his foot? <laughs> some whiskey soaked general with a t- saw just like i ah, just take a sip of this brother and chop it off does he have body dysmorphia with his foot now you feel like he just that has to come off now it's no longer part of no. his body nope uh he is pretty much walking fine now we're telling him to like be yeah. easy on it and stuff you know like all right like truly without like putting on a show on the show like yeah, we actually are like, hey, buddy, take it easy with the foot, you know? But I still think he was playing it up. Yeah. It's tough. Hey, Dan, I, guess I would what? Just... Well, go ahead. Libservative Podcast is found at all oh, social yeah. media and podcast sure. platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. Go Welcome to the brunch yourself. special. <laughs> yeah, it's first. I think this might be the first time I've ever uh, consumed coffee on the show, but here we are. Mm. I still don't think I've ever consumed coffee on the show. I have a pretty light what I learned in school this week, so um, maybe I should go last today. Let's start. Let, you know what? Bell's been dying because we just completely skipped him last week. Why don't we go ahead and start with Bell? 
and uh, what and his what I learned in school this week. All right, come on in here, buddy. There you are. Nope, there you are. There you aren't. There you are. Where is right. he? I'll stop. I'm gonna stop pushing buttons. <laughs> <clears throat> You're We're good. All You're pushing a guy buttons. Last week I had an in- one. This one's way better. Let's talk about insider trading for for just a couple minutes here. Okay. Remember back when uh, Pelosi was like uh, under fire for all the Nvidia stock that her husband had and all that, and they wrote that bill that would ban wives and husbands of people in Congress from trading because what had happened was he owned 25,000 shares of Nvidia stock. And the day that the day before they wrote legislation that would have raised the stock of Nvidia over 7%, he sold all of his stocks at a loss. He lost, what was it? $350,000, right? Not yeah, and it was much. like, why would he do that kind of thing? $341,000. His stack would have jumped. Right. And when she asked if she ever, when asked by a reporter if her husband ever traded on information provided by her, she replied, absolutely not. Hmm. Whether he but took he a loss or whether he gained money, that's insider trading. Right? Mm-hmm. He's a venture capitalist. Who's to say that he hasn't gained information from her or he she hasn't written bills or introduced bills to help him profit or companies that he invests in profit? Which brings me to a man named Tyler Loudon. Tyler Loudon worked at home with his wife. Um, his wife was the VP executive for acquisitions and stuff like that. So they both started working from home. He would overhear her conversations in her office, and he decided that he was going to invest on information that he was hearing from her. BP was about to acquire travel centers, the truck stops in America, all over America. This dude bought 45,000 shares, and the stock jumped up 71%. He sold all 45,000 of his shares for a profit of $1.76 million. He is going to court in May and facing five years in prison and a fine of $250,000 as well as relinquishing all of the profits that he made from doing all this stock trading. It doesn't matter how much money you have. (laughs) The government can do and all these people can do what they want right in front of your face and you don't get mad. Nobody gets mad. Nobody cares. But this guy's going to go to prison for five years for doing the same exact thing. If not yeah, worse. Cause what, what good, what's good for me is not good for thee. Can I just say this? I, I, <laughs> the Paul Pelosi one was one that I wasn't that mad about. And it, because I mean, selfishly, I got in on Nvidia really early. <laughs> so my stock yep. also went through the roof, A lot of people- but still, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So this is th- this is the whole situation of uh, corporate capture, uh, oligarchy, which we'll actually have a chance to talk about a little bit later on in the episode when we discuss uh, Gavin Newsom's newest dealings uh, out out in the state of California. Um, it's if you if you if you control enough, yep, and you have enough capture, your crimes are not. Uh, 
not necessarily at least not made a big deal about and certainly not prosecuted, which is why I always find it funny when you see these memes Mm -hmm. from like Occupy Democrats or one of those turd organizations that are like it's, it's, it's like a picture of like Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, both Bushes and Jimmy Carter. And it's like zero controversy, zero indictments. And then there's a picture of Trump that's like 78 indictments. It's just like, yeah, because they were in right. on it, you fucking idiots. That's why they weren't charged. And it's like, I, I always feel like I have to qualify this by saying I'm no Donald Trump fan. But it's like, if you can't see that, like people actually look at that and think, right. Oh wow, yeah. I guess he, I guess he, I guess he really is a criminal. Look at all these great men that you know started wars and bombed the shit out of civilians and killed a, a, a few hundred thousand people. Right. Yeah. No. It goes like whenever I hear stories like this, the uh, the Hunter S. Thompson quote, and I know I've said it on the show probably fifteen, sixteen times at this point, but it just always pops in my mind whenever I hear about just regular peasants like us trying to get an edge on something versus politicians doing it and it's uh in a closed society where everybody's guilty the only crime is getting caught in a world of thieves the only final sin is stupid (laughs) where like you have literal social media pages that track the politicians tradings and like like the, the stock deals and stuff that they do and so many of them correlate with like bills about to pass or that pass and things like that and when asked about it, they can like they can just go oh, no, and walk away from well, a thousand journalists and never have to atone for their sins. But this guy, there was a because because like, like what's the fine line of insider trading? If I'm in the bar and I hear and like because we live in let's say we live in the Metro Detroit area and I hear one of the big three CEOs I, mean, I just happen to be at the same bar as him, and you hear him go, dude, right. We just got news that all of our seatbelts unbuckle <laughs> by themselves. Or something fucking wild like that. I could probably make some money on that type of information with the deal. If I have the stock, I could sell it before that news comes out. Sell other stocks to liquidate to get the money to gather it. To Shit, you could sell it on your phone at the up. bar. Yeah, right. exactly. And then buy low. You know what and I mean? Buy low when and it sells off. Absolutely. Is that insider trading? It you know what I mean? Like the, the line, yeah, define, it's tough it? because him overhearing his wife talk about this seems way more new, like not nuanced, but like murky waters than people writing legislation and then telling their loved ones what the legislation, the bill that's about to pass the next day is going to have an effect on. Like, it's just, it's fucking insane to me. Well, it's I all guess- a joke. It's all a fucking See- scam. To even add something to that, right? Um, I can't remember who it was, so I, w- I wish I could give credit here, but I uh, unfortunately I cannot. Um, I-, I was listening to somebody the other day that, and, and I think we all kind of knew this, um, but th- the way that uh, legislation is now voted on in Congress, they always seem to make sure that they have the votes before they even bring it to the floor. Instead of bringing the legislation to the floor and seeing if you have the votes. And so you could see how uh, policy like that in Congress, where you're you're going around, yeah. making sure you have the votes before you bring it in, how that could apply to something like insider trading. Like if, if you're going to bring a bill to the floor 
or you want to bring a bill to the floor and you know it's going to pass and it's going to affect Wall Street, you now have exactly. insider information. You have insider information right then and there as to where if you bring it to the floor before making sure you have the votes, as you should do in uh, you know a, a moral universe, um, then maybe it's not as much insider trading. You still have a little bit inf of information because as a congressperson, you might have an idea of whether or not you think this bill is going to pass, but it's still, it's not a guarantee like it is the way they do it now. Right. And this isn't hyperbolic or like they, just hypothetical situations that we're talking about. It's going to take a little bit of legwork, but go and look at anytime any sort of big legislation has passed, any sort of big court ruling has happened. Go to websites like Unusual Whales and look at the tradings that happened right before that. It's all, you know, it's all archived. You can look both of these things up. It takes a little bit of work, but you'll see what, that what we're talking about, we're not just blustering or just saying, like, oh, this might happen or that might happen. This shit actually happens. Dan Crenshaw is on that there was list. A bill. People... I'll say there was ahead, a bill Bill. introduced ahead, Bill. last year, almost one year ago, H.R. 1679, Bipartisan Ban of Congressional Stock Ownership Act of 2023. That was the one that they made super convoluted, though, that was set up to fail. Yeah. That one didn't pass, right? Uh, no, it has that one but passed. they did. Well, the bill would have prohibited members of Congress and their spouses from owning or trading stocks, bonds, commodities, futures, or any form of security. Yeah, Each without, like, member without, must like, divest within 180 fund. days. Yeah, with the, there was like certain do, like, a blind trust. Uh, investments they could make. But they couldn't own like individual stock or bonds or right. anything like yeah, that. Yeah, they had to do things like blind trusts or like real estate investments and things like that. Like, yeah, it's uh it's absolutely that mm -hmm. absolutely should be passed. Like it's insane because you know that like when there's millions of dollars on the line in your own pocket, you're serving self-interest. And it goes back to the founding fathers in the beginning that when they say people are inherently like uh self-interested. Mm -hmm. And so you need to put it in many stop gates to to make that have the least amount of effect on the governing body. So mm -hmm. what Bell learned this week, essentially, or I shouldn't even say learned because I think he already knew this, but confirmed in his own brain this week that uh, not uh, the, the law doesn't treat everyone equally. There we are. There are different standards based on how much money or not even how much money, but how power. much power you have. Corey, what did you learn in the school? Well, I guess it's week? not even that. Maybe it's accountability. Oh, That's all I was going to say. Maybe it's more we just don't hold the people we vote in accountable. All right. So what we I learned don't. this week is uh, Nelson Mandela's a hero, right? He's considered a uh, a role model, a uh, a person that people look up to. He's considered a He's a, he's up there with a uh, an MLK or a Gandhi, right? He's one of those. Well, that people. depends. That, that depends who you ask. Boy, I hope he's qualified. Because, uh, <laughs> because, hey, yeah, because I found out this week that Nelson Mandela was considered a terrorist. Yes, by the U.S. by the U.S. government until two thousand eight. He was until on the terrorist watch list. Yeah, until two thousand eight. Because of his involvement in the African National Congress, a political party that fought against apartheid in South Africa. And the reason that is for is because 
like I guess the ANC, not necessarily him, but the group he was in part a part of, they used uh they got a little little radical. They used uh sabotage and guerrilla warfare and things like that as uh to resist their white the white minority regime during an apartheid state where white people were literally keeping two people separate based on race. Kind of like what's going on in <clears throat> Israel. Uh, it only goes as far as just two people being apartheid, but the context and everything else is different skin color even, but <laughs> therefore the, the U S and if so I the U S government pilot, during the cold war like, viewed the ANC as a communist threat and supported the apartheid government as an ally against the Soviet union. Therefore the U S designated the ANC as a terrorist organization and placed Mandela and other ANC leaders on the terrorist watch list. Mandela relayed, remained on that list even after his release from prison in 1990 and his election as the first black president of South Africa in 1994. It was not until 2008 that the U.S. Congress passed a bill to remove Mandela and the ANC from the list after Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice urged President George W. Bush to do so, which I also found interesting. That the bumbling Republican so, is the one that was like, yeah, sure. That guy seems like a pretty cool dude. Get him off that list. So what I find interesting about this is like you could you could kind of look at this two ways where um you could you could look at it from the perspective of like um that it was like a super overzealous, you know, uh almost racist demarking of Nelson Mandela. Or you could look at it from the perspective of when we put people on like terrorist watch lists, how fucking meaningless it actually is. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. Because- so I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not devolving it to race when I say this. Like I know that like what was going on there was about race. Like mm-hmm. in South Africa, it was. It was an apartheid state. The black majority was being treated as a second class citizen to the white minority because it's based in, you know, and like we always talk about liberal tropes and things like that, but this was legitimately based in colonialism of South Africa. Yeah. That's that's why there's white people there in the first place. And this guy was like, Hey, let's all treat each other the same. And because, and so on America's standpoint, the, the cold war superseded race a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Didn't give a fuck about race. It was about, are you communist or are you capitalist? If not, you're going to be put on lists. You know what I mean? Like the blacklist in Hollywood and things like that going back to the 20s during the Red Scare, even before the Cold War. But it's just insane to me that this guy is fighting for what's right. But because what's right wasn't like good for America's geopolitical interests. Like, sorry, bud. Yeah, he's a terrorist terrorist now. You're a terrorist now. Go fuck yourself. That's actual audio from uh, from the U.S. government to Nelson Mandela up through 2008. Yeah, 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 yeah. The government voice sounds a lot like Elon Musk. It's weird. Yeah, that's what they were saying to him up until 2008. And then after 2008, they were saying... uh, don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. <laughs> Not a terrorist. Don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. It's bizarre. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good one. I didn't realize he was on a terrorist, basically a terrorist watch list until 2008. <laughs> yeah, and then again, it's not because of race. 
It's because <laughs> they saw him as a threat to yeah. The Cold so War. what you mean is Corey? What you mean is that um, sometimes the geopolitical interests of the United States or the West or NATO or whatever entity you want to you want racism pick. is a byproduct. No, no. And isn't isn't always the like the right thing? Is that what you're is that what you're suggesting? Oh well, yeah, kind of. There's, ties a, there's a lot of you. There's a lot of people with Ukrainian bumper stickers, Ukrainian flag bumper stickers that would vehemently disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, there is. Uh, I learned something this week that is um, a little Isn't bit that like funny. How the here. Ukraine war is the less contentious one. No, yeah, it's, it's just uh, whatever. What's the news of the day? Um, what I learned this week, actually, it was it was last week because we didn't get our show in on Wednesday like we normally would. What I learned this week is something that's going to be very, very controversial to uh, many out there. And and I'm not going to apologize for what I'm about to say. Uh, Ooh, spicy. Kid Rock ain't so bad. <laughs> that's that is my uh, that's that's my what I learned in school this week. I didn't listen to that as, episode. As I often do. And one of the reasons I think uh, Joe Rogan is an, is an absolute delight, even if you know, he does have some pseudoscientists and some bullshit on his show. The long form conversations always uh, interest me. And he had Kid Rock on. And Kid Rock is somebody that I have always really, really disliked. Uh, I still think his music sucks. Um, I still think even after listening to this man for two hours, I think he's an absolute fucking idiot. However, he's pretty harmless. He really is. He's He really is harmless. Like, the whole Bud Light thing and him shooting up, we made and we made fun of it hard on this show when he was shooting up all the Bud Light. As he explains yeah. to Joe, he was basically just like, "Yeah, I was a little pissed about what happened with Dylan Mulvaney, but I was mostly just having fun." And he basically admits in not in 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 not so few words, he's like, "Basically, I don't understand why people take me so seriously." <laughs> and and I was like, "Okay, no, I I respect that." And and um. That's kind of like Another where we're at, thought, right? Like, don't take us so seriously because we sure as shit don't. We're up, but we're also not going to go out in our backyards and grift and shoot a shoot up a bunch of Bud Light cans. But, um, well, what I really, fair, what I really started to think about, what I really started to think about here, um, was if you remember when Kid Rock first gained his popularity, that was when I mean, you and I are in our mid thirties now. That was probably around our middle school years. You know, that's when that's when Kid Rock really started to blow up. And if you remember. If you think about it for just two seconds, like, th he's always been a shit starter. He's always yeah. been a pot stirrer. He's always been this anti-establishment figure. And right now, being anti-establishment, essentially, to a lot of people, is being pro-Trump. Now, when this guy was talking about Trump and how much he loves him and, and about his policies and not basically not knowing the first thing, because like I said, he still isn't uh, a brilliant man. Um the other, the other thing you have to factor in is that like Kid Rock and Donald Trump are like actual buddies. They're like friends. So it's like if Corey became president and was running around doing a bunch of stupid, shitty policies and like talking about grabbing girls by the pussy or whatever, I, Corey would never say that. This is hypothetical. Um, and I came out and defended him. I would add the word. I came out. Come on. <laughs> Consensually. Uh, I would I would come out and defend you because we're buddies. So like you have to factor that in when you listen to Kid Rock talk about how much he loves Donald Trump. It's a stupid one. It's what I learned in school this week is that Kid Rock is basically harmless. He ain't so bad. I'd probably honestly I'd probably sit down and have a beer with him. 
and uh, maybe try and spit some knowledge his way. But that's it. Nice. Oh, yeah, I would drink a beer with Kid Rock. I would absolutely have fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, shooting pop cans and beer cans, I do it all the time. Not because of like what their marketing ploy is, though. <laughs> I think yeah. that's just, yeah. And they're typically empty after I drink them. So Kid that's Rock it. ain't so bad, huh, Dan? Kid, he's not so bad. I'm not going to listen to his music. Start, I'm not going to like listen. go out of my way. Go ahead. You were born. You were born free, Dan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway, uh, did the government shut down yesterday? And honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't look it up. I just made the banner. And... <laughs> no, apparently, uh, Bell looked this up before the show started. Uh, Biden put in some short-term legislation. I don't know how that happened. We don't have any details. Yeah, Bell, really look that up real quick because I just find it so interesting that like. The government in America, you know, the world's police, the, uh, the the shining beacon on the hill. Our government shuts down so often that it barely makes news. Can't pass a budget. It's well, it's it's impossible because so much of it. Um, so much of it is is. Money that's already earmarked, right? Like 70% of the budget. All right, so Bell sent this over from the AP. Congress approves a short-term extension to avoid a shutdown uh, and buy more time for uh, a final spending agreement, which is what seems like happens all the time as well. There's just like this. Uh, yeah, it's it's only funded and oh, it's only funded until here the 22nd of March. So they'll 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 do the an 11th extension hour in recent months. <laughs> they'll do an, they'll do another 11th hour extension. Um sometime on the on the 21st i'm sure so no the government didn't shut down uh, but as far as passing a budget so much of it 70 of it's already earmarked with entitlements like social security um which is why like the one thing i look at nikki haley and go she's kind of right on this is um we have we do need social security reform um raising the retirement age to 70 like she's suggesting is not the right way to go about this because it's just kicking the can down the road and i have this argument with boomers all the time because why uh they get this money right now they want this money they don't want their social security touched and i i am always told it's always going to be around like you're going to receive it i am not planning on receiving it and even if i do i'll be 75 years old by the time i receive it because i they, they always go well it's in a trust Social Security is in a trust. Um, they no, don't now it's know just in the slush fund, means. right? I don't yeah, think they, it's in a they, trust they don't, anymore. They don't understand. Even so, like, doesn't matter what kind of account it's in. They don't understand what that means. They think that like, if it's in a trust, that it that it's just it's just going to be around forever. But I mean, economics one hundred and one will tell you that if you are spending money out of an account at three times the rate than you were bringing money into it, at some point, it is going to become insolvent. And that is going to yep. be long before we, you or I or Bell or definitely our children and our grandchildren ever have a chance to collect on any of it. And even if we do, we'll be much older than the people that are collecting on it now at a far smaller rate. So if you are in your 30s, if you are in your 20s, if you happen to be a teenager listening to this, I feel sorry for you. Don't plan on getting this. Plan to live without Social Security. Figure out your finances in a way that you won't need it. That's my advice. Yeah, it could be. There's so many things they could do to it to fix it. You know what I mean? Like, like if uh, 
like someone if i think it's what is it the three hundred thousand dollar limit like anything over three hundred thousand dollars you don't have to pay into social security anymore i think and like if that's the case then that should almost i don't like i don't know how you would reverse it but if you're if you're may if you're a billionaire when you retire and like you're projected to make over like three hundred thousand, let's say, uh, when you retire, like off of your four hundred one k and your investments and stuff, maybe you shouldn't be collecting the social security. Maybe they should go to someone else. Like I don't know. I don't There's know. so many different things that you could tweak and do. There's there's a few different there there are a few different things you could change. I mean, Bright Eyes is in the house joining us on this brunch special. Mm. Um, what you just described is not very libertarian. But as we often say, no. sometimes uh, it, it, what 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 do we not want to do, Corey? We don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? And uh, if that's and that was just something I literally just now. came up with. I didn't do any studies. I didn't look into any of that. No, that's been discussed. That's, that's that's been discussed. Where you know you, you sort of opt out of Social Security. Um, believe me, if I, think I had you the ability, be able to. I think that you should be able to opt out completely if you want. Yeah, vol- that is more libertarian, right? Because that now you have the choice. Now you have the option. Like, like imagine okay, if I the- could take <clears throat> that two or three hundred bucks out of my check every week, yeah, and just put it into a four hundred one k, where Social Security shows maybe a one percent uh, interest rate, and I can put in a four hundred one k. And even if I'm getting two, I'm literally doubling what I would well, be getting on my four hundred one k. Then or or risk it. But the 2% you know, growth on a 401k isn't good. I'm just saying in general it's still good comparatively it's to just yeah, it's double to what you'd be getting from social security. Well, that is that is more libertarian, right? And that's Or this, you're not even a the, 401k, put it towards like uh uh the real estate trust funds, you know, I forget what they're called. It's like all right, what is it? Like they're, they're, never mind. I'm I'm getting into the weeds, but yeah, like just different op- options I could do for trading versus just putting that money and giving it to the government well that kind of that kind of speaks to the point that um uh dave smith makes a lot of times you know he's he's the the mises caucus libertarian jesus um and he makes this point all the time when he's when he's discussing especially uh economic policy with liberals he's like i don't think you understand how close we actually are if you're Mm -hmm. a liberal and you convert to a more libertarian stance on things you can still basically have everything you want. The only difference is that entitlements are voluntary, right? Yeah. It's it's more like a it's more like a crowdfunding service where when I start working, if I want to put money into a more optional crowdfunded style social security, I can do that, or I can choose not to. And I've said multiple times, if I could just go to the federal government tomorrow and say, "Give me back every single dime I've ever paid into social security in in a lump sum." Um, but I never have to pay into Social Security again. No interest, just every dime I've ever spent. I would, I would take that deal in two seconds. Oh, absolutely. I would roll it into a Roth, and then I could have a four hundred one k in a Roth going. I don't know why. I don't know how that just evolved into Social Security policy, but here we are. The government did not shut down yesterday. <laughs> right? No, and maybe uh, the government, like, and here we are fighting over our budget, and then Javier Malay has been. Oh, the, great uh, point. Javier Javier Malay has been the president of um, Argentina, Argentina now for, oh, I just have the article up. Yeah. So I'll set it up real quick while you find it. Yeah. Um, the So Javier Malay, who is viewed as this 
uh, <coughs> awful sort of anti-Western fascist. Uh, I don't think they've necessarily called him a dictator yet. Uh, maybe they have. Maybe they have in certain areas because he is uh, a libertarian and an anti-globalist. That's an all you need to be. And then, yeah, that's all you need to be in order to be uh, considered uh, the enemy. And when Javier Malay took office, he warned the Argentinian people, which is something that no leader really does. Like, he's like, dude, this is going to suck for a minute. But once we make these changes, which he's already reduced the amount of ministries and government jobs by a ton, um, you have people talking about how he's taking away jobs. It's like, yeah, he's taking away shitty government paper pushers that don't need to be paid by the by the Argentinian federal government. Uh, go find a real fucking job. And I would say the same thing here in the United States if we actually had a real libertarian take office. The amount of government just waste on idiotic departments and paper pushers and shit that's unnecessary, size and scope yeah. of government, right? No, if you're right. It goes. Like, I'm with them. The very, very basic without getting into like without having like all of the actual data and stuff in front of you, right? It costs money for us as taxpayers to pay a tax in our local area and then have that money go from local to state to the government, the federal government, for the federal government to then have to pay all the people that are transferring these purses of money up to the government for them to then take it and then divvy it back to us. Just imagine how much I wish there was a, like there probably is a study, but I wonder how much money is lost in the money I send to the federal government. And then how much of that money comes back from the federal government to help fund my local programs. It almost, almost none of it. What you're talking about, Corey is an upside down pyramid. Like that's our system. The pyramid's upside down. It's the wrong yeah. way around. Most of your tax dollars should go to your municipality or your, you know, your city, your township, whatever your state, or I guess, I guess you could go to a county level next, but then your state gets paid next and your federal government gets paid last. Yeah. And so like, like for like in Argentina, for example, uh, apparently it took Malay just nine and a half weeks to balance the budget that was projected at a 5% of GDP under the previous government. In U.S. terms, he turned $1.2 trillion annual deficit into a $400 billion surplus. Yeah. And now, it's like, dude, even, we need to see that. So now it's important even. to see what he does with that. Like that money, that extra money, <clears throat> $400 billion, we're talking, can be put to programs like roads, put to programs like services. Now you have now that he has the extra money, like it's important to see what he does with it because there will be services that the that the this the uh citizens need. There will be things like that. Right. But now he has liquidity to fix those problems individually versus robbing one program to take care of another. Like we are in our country, like right now there's discussions of like we're talking about wanting to still send billions of dollars to Ukraine and Israel, and in the same house of government we're talking about cutting wick and snap you know what i mean and everyone it's easy and this is the problem with america right because as soon as you say they're cutting wick and snap everyone goes well it's the republicans it's half the party mm, yeah it's like yeah but why are they trying to cut that money because they're seeing the deficit because the democrats want to send money to israel and, and fucking ukraine 
So like, well, it's the money the needs to come from somewhere. That's the duopoly. That's the uniparty. They both and that's the duopoly the money. of them working together. Yeah, to f- yeah exactly. That's when we talk Tur- about it's two wings of the same bird. Tur- oh, yeah. The Republicans people. are talking about cutting WIC, but the Democrats are talking about using that same money to send it to another country. Like, well, that's just it, right, too, right? So The like, optics so sound talk- shitty on one based on the verbiage, but it's both essentially the same thing because the money has to be taken from somewhere to be put somewhere else. Yeah, and and we it's, just saw it's, it, we just saw in our country the highest inflation rates, and that's what happens when you don't take the money from one spot and put it somewhere else, and, and just print it instead. Right, and and it makes it all that much worse, and that's why people are pissed. Uh, it it makes it all that much worse when you're when you're robbing from something some from something that is designed to help the American people. Whether it does or doesn't is a debate that can be had. But something that is designed to help the American people sent over to pay for for foreign wars. And this is one of those things like we talk a lot about libertarian policy on this show. I think even I think even um, I think almost every libertarian would agree, although it's not ideal under libertarian policy, they would much rather see uh, tax dollars that they feel are being robbed from them going back to the American people than they would see those tax dollars shipped overseas for aggressive foreign wars, not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? So I think that's a that is where you could start and even get libertarians on board. Although, as we said, libertarians often like to let the perfect be the enemy of the good, which is their biggest shortcoming. Um, but yeah, so I, you still have to wait in Argentina to see, like you said, Corey, where, yeah. the, where so this, now I'm really this curious is, to see where this goes. Yeah. And it's going to take time, right? Because like, this is obviously the budget, which is, pro- which is projected, right? They don't, they, that, that, did, that money did just didn't show up in the Liberty or the, uh, the libertarian, the Argent, the Argentinian uh, coffers to, yesterday. It's going to take time to actually have that happen. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to keep but, an eye on this because he said he's projected for his economy to turn around in three months. And it's not like we've we've uh, we haven't dived into this deeply, um, so hopefully it's not bullshit. But it's being reported by some pretty credible sources. So, um, what is what's a credible source, Dan? We mean like oh, uh, surplus and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, it's like it's not just blustered like Fox News. Like we're talking like Barons and like financial reports and like the Economist and things like that that are talking about this, like. Boy, I hope pages like because this as much as this is a political thing, it's also an economic thing. And so like when the like I when it comes to things like this, like I feel like there's a little bit more weight to it when there's just straight like number punching nerds looking at this and going, this is what's on the papers. I dig it. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. Real quick before we and I love and like topic. and it's still even with what he's doing the biggest thing that I think is so fucking hilarious and it was such a forty chess move was while he's doing these what would be considered extremist by like a left wing or a right wing government in America is he insulated his government and protected himself from a coup by use by changing his currency to the U.S. dollar. And also reducing the size and scope of his government. Right. But there's probably wings in our government that wouldn't like that. Yeah. And so like, but even if they don't like that, the idea that they're, he's using their dollar strengthens 
the U.S. dollar in general, and like they'd be they would be ostracized if they tried to come after that when he's doing something like that. Yeah, he insulated the, the, himself. The coup, he protected yeah, the himself. Coup would, the coup would be shut down by the American government because we're really right. we're really good at that. It's one of the things we're the best at is absolutely is 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 either shutting down coups or instigating coups we're really really good right. at that we should be proud and who's on the uh, other end of uh that when we're shutting down a coup we're instigating a coup typically russia yeah if we're shutting down a coup russia's instigating it if we're instigating a coup russia's trying to shut it down yeah absolutely. remember that you know like i was listening to jimmy Dore the other day oh, and God. uh like i, Jimmy's, I Jimmy's really lost really me a little respect bit jimmy weeks. Dore's, yeah yeah oh, I, I. I, re- I respect jimmy Dore's opinion i like the things he says but I hate how he talks about America just being just the enemy without giving the context of the other countries who are also doing terrible things like we are. Like it's, yeah, it's so geopolitical chess. It's no, either, those, neither side is innocent. Both sides are moving pieces around trying to get the upper hand. So, yeah. So the, the thing I like about people like Jimmy is that like, he's willing to call out America for, I shouldn't even just say America, America, NATO, the West, again, whatever mm-hmm. entity you want to use. And we, they, we um, need that accountability, but we calling also need them the out and, and holding them accountable. But he, he makes this, and, and Jimmy's not the only one who does this. He makes this, um, this claim that like the corporate media only tells one side of the story. And then you listen to Jimmy and others and you go, Jimmy, dude, you're, you're only telling kind one of side of the, the story too, thing. bro. Yeah. You're doing, and, and I actually have this theory. Honestly, this was going to be a, a what I learned I'd in still, school this week. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this was going to be a what I learned in school this week, but I'll, I'll just mention it here real quick because um, I, I feel like a lot of these independent media pundits are still stuck in like COVID mode because so many of them rightfully uh called out the bullshit of covid and the vaccines and and like this this borderline or 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 outright tyrannical government that was taking place all across the world to get people vaccinated to get people st- to to stay in their homes and like that was a really big deal and i was really happy that all of these independent media sources were calling this out but i feel like they're still stuck in that mode to where they need to make every issue that that like that fucking important to where they have to be overly absolutist about everything that comes about. I, I honestly feel like that's a lot of what's going on with people like Jimmy and some of the other independent media sources. It's what I'm saying. Making sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, like it, it goes right kind of along, along the lines of what I was going to say is uh, <clears throat> when it comes to Jimmy, he's still falling for the trap of American exceptionalism. In the in respects to the idea that uh, all of the bad, it's like it's still like just like how Americans just in general we center the world around like our politics and our views, right? Okay, and he's still doing the same thing, even if he's talking shit about it. He still is acting as though America is exceptionally the one who is doing exceptionally evil, all the good yeah exceptionally evil like we are the only ones in the world doing the evil like we are the ones that are like the puppet behind the screen like behind the scenes like don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain as if we're the only man behind the curtain when china is still pulling a lot of really shady things 
Russia is still doing a lot of really shady things. You know, Iran is still doing a lot of really, really shady things. And you can go into the context of when these things kicked off and where they started. Yes, America is at fault for some of them. These other countries are also at fault for some of them. And some of the evil things we did were a may have been a short-sighted response, may have been a knee-jerk action to things that other people were doing. Because Russia also tried to institute coups. Russia did also invade uh, Afghanistan for 20 years. Like these other countries did these same things. There's a million examples on either side. And it's empires doing empirical things. And we should call them all out. Not just so I guess like not just be jaded and be upset with one or the other. So I guess the moral of the story is that American exceptionalism is a bad worldview regardless of whether or not you're re- you're viewing American exceptionalism as a positive thing or in Jimmy Dore's case and others, thing, yeah. a negative thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, yeah, it kind of works both ways. Uh, what do we have next, Corey? You want to do uh, uh, babies are too complicated to be governed? <laughs> yeah, babies are too complicated to be governed, Dan. That's 100% a fact. So recently in Alabama... There was a case. I'm not exactly sure what happened at this uh, IVF place where they do embryos uh, or where they fertilize embryos in vitro fertilization. Yes. But it sounds like I didn't like apparently someone just left the fucking freezer door open on accident or something. I'm not sure. But some embryos died, you know, and that's Mm. just, you know, like that's just what I picture happening. Someone was just like walking out of the cooler when they're because they had their like soda pops in the same cooler. And they grabbed one and they walked out and just didn't shut the door because they grew up in a barn. I think they were actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were actually dropped. Oh, were they, they dropped? Were dropped. Yeah, I, th- I I could be wrong about that. Uh, but so what's up, Butterfingers? It doesn't matter how, but you're, you, some embryos died. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Embryos how. died. So there was, I think, t- either between one and three families, I think it was three families that uh, sued this IVF company you know, because they did have responsibility of holding on to these embryos that these families paid them a lot of money to take care of. Sounds like and, murder to me, Corey. Yeah, it sounds like it, huh? And uh, so these people were suing, you know, for their loss, which is also understandable. If I'm paying, yeah, especially since they paid for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm paying for something and malfeasance is on your end and because of that there's a loss on my end i'm a victim i sue you that's the typical court of law how yeah it, even if even goes. if you're just viewing it from the from the completely you know concrete soul aspect um instead of the more emotional side where it's like those were potent those were potentially my babies you just killed even if you're just viewing it from a yeah, fit- make it make it more trivial if i if i have a really nice corvette <laughs> my 67 corvette <laughs> and uh, and I bring it to an auto shop, and they're working Fine, on it. Sixty-seven Corvette. <laughs> and thanks, uh, Joe. And, and they have it up on the lift, and they're working on it. And they pull the motor. Let's say, like, say, like they're dropping the motor from the top or pulling it, whatever way. And it's on a lift. And when they take it out, it completely changes the the uh, the balance weight of the car, and it flings off and falls off the lift. And we're smashing my sixty-seven Corvette on the ground. And you're going to 67 Corvette (laughs) not pay for my losses. Then yeah, I'm going to sue you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same thing goes for an embryo. So I get the suing, but Mm -hmm. what this snowballed into 
is it ended up in the Alabama Supreme Court. And the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that the embryos were human life. Murder. Next, they're going to rule that the skeet coming out of you is human life. Yeah, you're gonna, you are going to get life in prison for murder for squeezing one off into the toilet bowl. They are going 250 to- million counts. <laughs> <I'm>, there's <laughs> going to be billions of counts of murder in my shower drain. Go fuck yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, so like it went, with Hitler really and Stalin and Mao. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just yeah. yeah, yeah. You no, just, I'm right up there with Mao with all the babies I killed. <laughs> you just committed a you just committed a genocide for cock sneezing into a paper towel. <laughs> committed a genocide of just Corey Root Walsh Jr.'s billions of them. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, yeah, so ever. now. Uh, because of this case, the embryo companies, all these IFE companies are like, well, fuck this. And they're all fucking leaving Alabama. And so that's, 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 uh, where we're at now. And like, what I think is really funny is, you know, Alabama has a bit of a streak of being a little racist sometimes, you know, sometimes that's just some racism. It's got racism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not letting like even though it was like 50 years ago, not letting black children into their school. It's it's complicated. Don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Um but so I looked because I was I was I was wondering like who does in the state of Alabama or just for IVF in general, if Alabama is no like if the, if the private companies are leaving because they see the legal ramifications of the risk versus reward of them being a profitable company that they're deciding to leave when they realize it's more risky than rewarding. Who does this hurt most like for their state? Right. And so the demographics of people who use in vitro fertilization are those with a postgraduate degree as a family of $75,000 or more. And they are white. So this hurts white people. Yeah, this harms rich white people <laughs> in their state. So it kind of sounds like the DEI crowd should be all for this legislation. Oh, shit. Did I say that out loud? All right, Charlie Kirk. I mean, keep But yeah, no, it's insane to me. And like, and this goes back to us talking about like in the very beginning when we first started our show, we've always said that like uh, when it comes to the uh, the body autonomy of women, it's way too complicated for the government to even decide to try to oh boy, I hope he's legislate. Qualified. And it goes back to how during even the vaccines, when people are trying mm-hmm. to legislate that the vaccines would be mandated, body autonomy is body autonomy. When it comes to the basic foundation of our constitution, one of the things enshrined is life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and that your liberty should not supersede mine and my liberty should not supersede yours. And the most primitive form of that is like my little bubble right here, my body, that nobody can tell me what the fuck to do with my body. Yeah. And you know what else is interesting about that, Corey? these These are the same types of people that are these people that are trying to ban IVF and ban abortion. These are the same people that when it comes to what's being taught in their kids' schools, tout parental rights. 
So right. is it not is it not a parental right to since since these are babies, right? They're babies. That's I mean that's what essentially uh, the state of Al- the Supreme Court of Alabama is saying. Do you do you not have a parental right to you know freeze your eggs and create embryos for for uh, in vitro fertilization? Does that not qualify as a parental right? Well, yeah, I, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I it should, mean, right? I didn't mean, and I guess, the, I but the last thing is, like it still was. But the companies that are giving that option are like, "Fuck this, we're out of here." And also, Dan, I want to say that if I would have known that I could just freeze my kid when he was a newborn, I could have got myself a lot of sleep when we had the newborn because I could just freeze him <laughs> for the night, you know, I can go to sleep and because, you know, I get his ankle that day. We could just freeze humans indefinitely. <laughs> that, that, like, that's, but like we're, we make fun of this because there is so much hypocrisy on each side of the argument. You know, you brought up the whole body autonomy thing over COVID. Um, but then you, you have this, you have this situation where the trad cons, are you know they want to save babies they want to create more babies we need more and and actually from an economic perspective even if you want to be callous about it we we kind of do need more people that could be solved with immigration which is another topic that we've talked about many times but we we do need more people so like the idea that we are um uh finding a scientific way to preserve the ability to have more babies and have more humans you would think that these people would be all for IVF, but because there's this this sacrifice of maybe of a couple of embryos are going to die here and there. Well, we just we j- we can't have that. But it's like, do you not see the perspective of like more and more there are there are more and more uh, women and men that are just they're they're struggling to get pregnant the natural way and they want to have kids. These are people that right. want to have babies, but yeah, they, that's they, the thing maybe too, they, right? They, maybe, but, but they, they, maybe they want to wait a little bit later. Maybe they're not financially stable enough. Maybe they're, they're maybe they're actually being adults about this and going, "Listen, uh, we're not quite financially stable yet. We're getting a little older. Obviously, we know women's eggs have a shelf life, right? Um, let's go ahead and maybe set ourselves up for in vitro fertilization, which they can't really do yet, right? Because it's too expensive. I'm just saying, in theory." If we could get it to be more affordable, you know, if you could have more people be able to do that, like you, you would figure these trad cons would be all for that. Like, let's continue the research to make this cheaper so that more people right. can. I would it. even argue, I would even argue that people going to IVF want babies more than your average person because they are going through way more complicated huh. steps to make it feasible for them versus, like, yeah. for example, anecdotally. Me and my wife, one slip past the goalie. Yeah, I have a kid, you know, yeah. like I have a boy, you know. And if he asks, like, no, you weren't playing, but the timing was perfect. I think that's a good way mm-hmm. to say, it. you know, it's without making him feel like an asshole, but without making him feel like a mistake, <laughs> right? Without making him feel like a mistake, I feel like that's the best way to say it. But yeah, like these people want babies more, and then like, here's the government championship, championship, championing life by making it harder for people who want babies the most. <laughs> right, exactly. It makes no it makes no sense. And then you have another uh another thing that has to be making the trad cons uh, uh heads explode 
because they're they're gonna they're gonna go to the ballot box and check the R no matter who the hell it is. And that's fine. Kissing like, said not, scientifically, I'm, the politicians are incorrect. And I would agree. Oh, gee, who could have guessed that? <laughs> of course they are. Uh, but you, you know, you have this thing where Trump is in support of IVF. He's good yeah. at the guy they go and vote for. And so, like, what do you do? Is this a situation where you sacrifice your morals because you need to have because Trump's the guy that uh, uh, I mean, essentially, right, got Roe v. Wade overturned. So he's their he's, God, their he's such a trip, hero. He? He's yeah. the one that instituted the judges that made the conservative made the court more conservative where they would turn overturn Roe v. Wade. And then when Roe v. Wade was overturned, he was like, This is wrong. Because he's Remember? not really we, because he's not really a he conservative. doesn't give a shit. He's just a populist. He has yeah, no he's principle. not really a conservative. He's not really a conservative. He knew his best path to winning the presidency was by you know, uh, grabbing these red states and telling them exactly what they want to hear and and executing on some of it. I'm not even going to give him shit for that. He did. He executed on some of the things that that some of the trad cons and, and others really wanted, um, you know, not starting any new wars like politically. Donald Trump is he's, he's I mean, he's played his cards pretty brilliantly, um, but you you have to understand that he's not this like evangelical angel that he's painted to be on both the left and the right. Yeah, because now he's coming out and saying the IVF thing was wrong and that people should be able to have access to this. Absolutely. He's a trip. And anyway, embryos are humans. Alabama says so. So watch your ass. Uh, Real quick. We're talking to you, embryos. Yeah, just watch your ass. You might be dead tomorrow. Um, I don't think I have a. uh, Oh, do I have one? I don't think we have a banner for this, but that's okay. It's it, but it's it's in our description, so we have to discuss it. Do you know how boring this primary season is? I'm going to tell you exactly how boring it is. How boring is it? How boring is it? We talk about uh, politics and geopolitics and culture every week on this show. I completely forgot that my own fucking primary was on Tuesday. (laughs) I just, I just, it just, I knew it was in the back of my mind, but it completely slipped by. Uh, when Michigan's primary, oh, it was up there. Uh, or Corey made, I made it. Uh, I just, that is how boring this, this, this whole thing actually is. We know what the outcome is going to be. We know that, um, it's going to be Biden and Trump. And so like Tuesday rolled around and, and I knew that it was there, but it never came to me in my brain to be like, should I go to the ballot box? And I never did because I completely forgot that my own fucking primary was on Tuesday and yeah, the, we ended up getting drunk on the disc golf course on that Tuesday. Yeah, it was like true. 65 just, degrees think, outside. I think that might be why it why it slipped my mind. The only entertaining thing about this, like honestly, everybody's calling for Nikki Haley to leave the race, right? I want her to stay in. I want her to stay in for for entertainment purposes only. Because watching her go out, and anybody who's listened to the show for any period of time knows that I am not a fan of Donald Trump. It's equivalent dead. I just had this this uh this image pop I had. I just picture the Detroit Lions and their 0-16 season where there was the press conference. Uh after every single game when the Lions would lose and them coming out and going, Yeah, no, it's 
it's tough, but you know what? Like we, we can work on this and this and we got this going <laughs> and Nikki Haley is literally <laughs> the coach moral of the 16 lions of every single time. Like, yeah, we're still yeah, going out victories. there. We're still going to give it a shot. Watching this establishment okay, and kissing. huge warmongering okay. neocon get jail sexed in every single fucking state is hilarious so kissing, uh, to me. Right. So kissing God's own. Uh, welcome to the show. You, you, we don't recognize the name. I'm assuming you knew, but she said, does anyone that does not vote truly have a valid opinion or he or she, I'm not sure. Nice does anyone cop. that does not have a vote truly have a valid opinion of any kind. And that's kind yes. of what we're getting at. Cause me and Dan are pretty avid voters. Like I personally, I go out, I actually help movements. I believe in petition. We're pretty active. We go to town halls. We're active in this stuff. But we're talking about how the fact of this primary season, where it's basically a shoe in between Biden and Trump, how it just kind of slipped our mind because we have two milk toast candidates that both are trash that we don't really agree with and we don't really care for. And if I were to go, which I had every intention to, but I got distracted by the beautiful day and then all sorts of things like that, I would have voted non-committed anyways. I'm not sure mm -hmm. where you're from. But in Michigan right now, it's one of the biggest Middle Eastern concentrations in the country outside of the Middle East. No, and let me, let me tell you exactly world. what it is. Let me tell you exactly what it is. Dearborn, Michigan, just outside of Detroit, is the largest concentration of uh, Middle Easterners and Arabic folks in the entire world outside of the Middle East. Yeah. And so we had over 100,000 of them vote for not committed. And honestly... If I did make it to the polls, that's where my vote would have gone anyways, because I'm not going to vote for Trump, I'm not going to well, vote for Biden. Even just let, uh, so I'll answer the question really simply, it, uh, which is, uh, does anyone that does not vote truly have a valid opinion of any kind? The answer is absolutely yes, because when you go to the when you go to the ballot box, what what more Americans should be doing is voting based on principle as opposed to fear, which is what most people cast their cast their ballot for we can't let the other guy win because we're going to slide into autocracy if no, if neither candidate fits your principles then a no vote is a vote at that point yeah so the answer is yes if you do not vote there's lots of people who don't vote and have an absolutely valid opinion yeah and uh yeah i mean so like and what's what so what i find interesting about that dan with the primaries is biden won in 2020, I think Biden and Bell, if you can look up the exact number of how many votes Biden won the 2020 elections by, I think he won by like 150,000 votes or something like that. The nine when you're talking when you're when you're talking. Oh, you're talking about the, the in 2020 the primary. We just oh, in 2020. No, he won by if you're talking electoral votes, he basically yeah. won by 40,000 votes over four states. Or six. Oh, states, Biden. No, but I think not he not popular vote wise. He won by more than that in the popular vote. But yes, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, in the popular vote in Michigan, I think it was like 150,000 votes that he won Michigan by. But uh the non-committed vote for him was like a hundred and some thousand. So like the air the Arabic community was giving him a resounding middle finger telling him how he's idly sitting by while this stuff in Israel is happening. Mm-hmm. And that you are not serving us as constituents, that we are not going to vote for you. 
whether you agree with whether you agree with that or not, that's fact. Right. That's that's factual. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What well, you can agree with what's happening in Israel, and you can agree with not, but it doesn't matter because a hundred thousand Arabic people in the in Dearborn Metro Detroit area are telling Biden they will not vote for him if he continues to sit idly by while Israel is committing what at this point at this point like we were incl- inclined to not really talk about it at first because of all the nuance and the context of how it is a tit for tat over there and how it's a giant quagmire but at this point i think it's kind of safe to say what israel's doing is leaning towards genocide it's pretty just, pretty and, uh and, implicit and even if you want to say ge- even if you want to be generous let's just go with a little bit over the top okay biden <laughs> <laughs> that's what biden said he said it's over the top yeah yeah uh just <laughs> yeah and it's it's uh and like there's people like the mayor of dearborn he was on breaking points and stuff like that there's people in our community dan who have lost family dozens members. of family members over there because of this how the fuck are you gonna tell them yeah but trump is worse you should vote for biden you know what i mean yeah. And so it's it's frustrating, right? Like I like Trump sucks. We do not like Trump. We've said it a million times on this show, but we don't like Biden any better. Some of his domestic policies, we're seeing some fruition. I'll give him credit for it when it comes to the with the the idiotically named Inflation Reduction Act, which it didn't do any of that. Uh, it was all of the uh, Federal Reserves who actually did an okay job with that. But now I'm going on a tangent. But short of the stuff that he did for domestic policies, his foreign policy is trash. It's arguably worse than Trump's because there wasn't a genocide happening and in two wars didn't unfold. The only thing that Biden really did geopolitically successful was pull out of Afghanistan. Out of Afghanistan. Even that was a shit yeah. show. Yeah. Which and we still support it. I would I'm, he ended he ended a war. I still support that on its face in a vacuum. But it, it yeah. but basically just got us into two other proxy wars following it. So what does it really fucking mean? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Yeah, so I guess that's a really good segue into uh, the happenings in Gaza City. What was this? Was this Friday? What was this yesterday, or was this Thursday? I, I know, can't remember. That was uh, Thursday, maybe. No, no, it was Friday. No, it was Thursday, right? It, yeah, I think it doesn't it matter. Thursday. A couple doesn't matter exactly when. So a uh, a convoy showed up to deliver uh, humanitarian aid. Uh, in from the uh it came directly from the idf i believe and uh the convoy was mobbed by a bunch of gazans that were emaciated and desperate and didn't want to die and needed food hundreds of them were shot uh a few less were killed and you have two stories here about coming from uh israeli intelligence saying that a hostile mob was trying to overtake the convoy and the, and the uh, IDF had absolutely no choice but to gun these people down. So to put this in a, in a bit of a context here, if we're not looking at any nuance, and I'm just looking at this from the position of the actual IDF soldiers that were tasked with delivering this humanitarian aid to Gaza, um, I can feel for them because you can see in the drones, you can see in the drone footage, I almost said drone strikes. (laughs) You can see in the drone, you can see where my head's at. You can see in the drone footage that it does appear to be one hell of a shit show. 
So from that context, I can look at it from the view of these particular IDF folks where that could be fucking terrifying and you might feel like you have to discharge your firearm. That is the only context in which I look at any Israeli in this situation and 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 feel for them. Because, gee, I can't imagine. I wouldn't even say Israeli. I would say IDF soldier. I would even separate the two because there's a lot of sure, that's fair. who are completely appalled at what's going on over there. You're, you're absolutely right. And I thank you for correcting me on that. Um, but I, I, I just can't imagine why a mob of Palestinians would be so desperate as to want to be the first one to get the aid. They're all starving. They're all injured. They've all been bombed out of every place they could possibly go to. Every place they've been told they to go <laughs> by fucking the Israeli government. Hey, I can't Bell, imagine why they'd quick, be that desperate. I need you to... There's a, I've heard reports of protests blocking aid to Gaza. And in fact, as, as absurd as using bouncy castles on the street to block like aid trucks from going into Gaza. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can find that information bouncy before castles? I just spout that off. Yeah. Just setting up bouncy <laughs> castles in the road to block ideas or to go yeah, to block, fuck uh, yourself. And so like, that's just it. Like if, if that's happening, you know, we have all this aid being blocked. We have all this aid not being allowed. Like there's reports of children having to have amputations without anesthetics because of the bombings from Israel. All these people are emaciated. There's reports of them having to feed their kids donkey, like donkey food and grass. So they're just to feed them something so they don't die. And then, so when you had that context and then all these people swarming the, uh, the, uh, the aid trucks, it makes complete sense. And to where like these IDF soldiers are put in a position. Yeah. Like, so that's the context, right? These IDF soldiers are put in a position to go to an area where it, it's it's a just it was set up for failure. So um, Bell just threw this over in the in the private chat. Uh, it's from NPR, so maybe a little bit of a grain of salt on this one. But um, from from some of the from some of the parts, Gaza is a stone's throw away uh, from Israel. Uh, if you look across the vast farm fields, you can see the buildings of Gaza rising from the horizon. Well, probably not anymore, but that is what it is. Sometimes you can also see plumes of smoke in the sky, a reminder that just a few miles from here, a war is raging. A group of around 100 protesters get, uh, have set up on the road leading into Gaza, just a couple of hundred feet from a row of aid trucks that sit idle in front of a tall concrete barricade. Israeli soldiers stand on a hill, watching from a distance as the protesters wave Israeli flags. Quote, don't give aid to rapists, they chant. Quote, don't give aid to butchers. Shortly after the war between Israel and Hamas started last October, aid groups warned that uh, the population of Gaza is extremely vulnerable. In December, the food, the World Food Program said that uh, the whole population of Gaza, more than 2 million people, was facing a food crisis. And when the Famine Review Committee, an international group of experts who analyze hunger, looked at the data collected uh, during the ceasefire in November, they warned if more aid did not reach the Gaza Strip, uh, the situation could tip into famine. So it doesn't say anything about um, uh, inflatable, what'd you say, bounce houses? Yeah. Uh, but no, there, 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 was a, there is a group of protesters. There was a group of protesters blocking the aid from going into Gaza. 
Yeah, I heard a report that they were actually putting up bounce houses and stuff like that, like acting like it was a party. But that might have been hyperbolic. If we can't find anything about it, then I take that back. Um, that's why that's that's why we have Bell finding these reports <laughs> and looking this stuff up, so we don't just sound like a bunch of assholes. He can, but go, yeah, man, it's image just, search. Like you see this footage, and then you know TikTok and Twitter, and it's full of all these people with these body these bullet holes in them, and they were just essentially trying to get food. And uh, what was it like? All this is happening. And then the fucking national security advisor for, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. The national security advisor for Israel says total support must be given to our heroic fighters operating in Gaza who acted excellently against the Gazan mob that tried to harm them today. It was proven that the transfer of humanitarian aid to Gaza is not only madness while our abductees are being held in the strip under substandard conditions, but also endangers the IDF soldiers. This is another clear reason why we must stop transferring this aid, which is in fact aid to harm the IDF soldiers and oxygen to Hamas. Yeah. So it's one of those situations where if you look at it, you go, you have the, uh, the Ben Shapiro types. They go, well, um, if Hamas uh, hadn't just done October 7th, uh, then this uh, wouldn't happen. Uh, the blood, all of the blood is on Hamas's hands. And it's just such a trope. It's just such a, a, a cast off of blame all day long. And I don't know. I'm just I'm just I'm kind of tired of hearing that. I'm no supporter of Hamas. It's a terrorist organization. Um, however. Figuring out why Hamas is in power isn't that hard. Just trace it back. Netanyahu supported it um, to this day, supports propping up Hamas to make it easier for them to uh, continue this kind of uh, stuff, bombing, what have you. Corey, you're frozen. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. (sighs) You guys are all frozen on my screen. Uh, That's your fault, but you're still here. Do I look stupid? Is my frozen face... you look Stupid. like you're looking down. You look like you're looking down at your boner. Good. That's a big <laughs> one. Uh, you two go ahead and take it up. I'm going to reset my uh, Chrome real quick. Okay. We're, is it okay if we move on? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know what to move on to. Bell, I'll bring you in here. Uh, oh, this will be fun while Corey's gone for just a moment. Uh, it turns out that. Uh, Alexei Navalny may actually not have been murdered. That may be a real thing. Uh, and how do I know this? Of oh, course, back. That was quick. You're back. You're back so fast. Yeah, it just just worked. I guess I don't know. I was just mentioning to Bell the uh, the idea that Alexei Navalny may have actually not been murdered. You there? Yeah, you're there. Uh, yeah, I'm here. I don't really know my. Like, I just know that Navalny was dead. I don't know a shit so, about this. No, so apparently this. I haven't. I haven't looked into this too much. Um, but I'm I'm open to the idea that this is possible because apparently this is coming from Ukrainian, actual Ukrainian officials that say that Alexei Navalny died of a of a blood clot. Um, and the joke that you made in our text thread yesterday was, "Was he vaccinated?" <laughs> <laughs> so clearly uh, a joke. I look at this and I go, okay, so that's that's entirely possible. 
However, how much of that had has to do with the fact that he's in prison, he's living under shitty conditions? Like, is his death, although he may not have been directly murdered by Putin, still Putin's fault? I think there's an argument to be made that, yeah, it's still his fault. But you're never going to know. Unless he grabbed you know, a bunch oh, of... Uh, you're talking about, like, yeah, Navalny's death. It's going to be similar to... Uh, what was that guy's name? Who was the leader of uh, Wagner Group? Oh, I know you're talking about. Yeah, the the guy who who, who organized the fake coup. Why am I? I'm struggling to remember his name as well. I don't have it in front of me. He uh, died in a plane crash. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one looks a little bit. Yeah. So, so that's a really Yevgeny good point. Like Prigozhin. Prigozhin. That was yes, Prigozhin. That was just that was just just happened to die in a plane crash. <laughs> Navalny just happened to die of a blood clot. Like it's always, it's definitely okay to be suspicious. I'll just say that. Is that fair? It's still okay to be suspicious, yeah. even if you have Ukrainian intelligence telling you that he he did actually die of a blood clot. So my disopinion Epstein. Uh, all I'm going to say is my Wi-Fi's name is Jeffrey Epstein. Didn't kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. None of us think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself either, so it is what it is. You know, and actually going like kissing uh just said opinion is only useful on game server. And you know, it's it's interesting you say that because uh short of actually going out and doing like activist stuff, I was going back to the Israel thing. This is something that was on my chest because uh when I saw the flower massacre, I did make a Facebook post. And I ended up deleting it, but I made a Facebook post where it was like, it just feels kind of shitty to be on the team that's on the wrong side of history. And all I can do is talk about it because here we are as three guys who don't have political connections. We don't have wealth. We don't have power to make anything happen, the time or the tools to create these big movements and stuff. So the least we can do is talk about it. So the idea of just having my opinion and getting it out there into the ether to have other people hear it, to add context to the conversation, to hope or to hopefully further the conversation, I think is very useful. Hmm. Even though when, when that happened, I still felt like all I could do was talk about it, but I think that's still important. We do have our, our last thing. We'll end on a little bit of a lighter note. And that's it. That's uh, all. It's not that light. Um, we'll end on, Newsom, <laughs> Gavin Newsom's bread guy, addiction. His bread addiction, his bread addiction was exposed. All, all I, the only thing I get out of this. So I guess to set it up really quickly, um, there's more nuance to it than this, but you can, you know, you can look it up yourself. Um, Gavin Newsom exempted Panera Bread and I think a couple of other corporations from being involved in the new uh, California state uh, minimum wage. Um, so what yeah. he did was he, in the exemptions of the minimum wage hike for like fast food chains and little restaurant chains and stuff. That's what it like is. Fast food chains. An hour, I think, is uh, if the company sells exclusively like bread. Ah. Uh, bread, which one of his best friends happens to own a shit ton of Panera Bread franchises in the state. And is also a donor to the Gavin Newsom yeah. campaigns. So yep. this this what what Gavin Newsom did here in in my humble opinion is absolutely exposed the corporate oligarchy that runs this entire nation. Yeah. 
A hundred percent. Your politicians don't run anything. Corporations run this shit. Oh, you need my yeah, money. It's best. You, you need you need my money to uh, to 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 support your campaign for re-election. What are you going to do for quid pro quo? Right. What are you going to do for me? It's an express. Right, yeah, like, like the two are sitting on the golf course, and he's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna push this thing through. You know, increase minimum wage for some uh for a bunch of Californians, and uh, you know, I think it'll be good." And the guy go the guy hears that as he's swinging slices and goes the fuck did you just say what about my panera <laughs> breads homie and he goes oh good call i'll, I'll make sure that bread isn't included yeah. <laughs> like i don't understand. like obviously that's hyperbolic but it's like it's no it's it's really not it's it just like doesn't look very good you know it's absolutely exposing yourself and exposing the duopoly establishment for everything that it is uh, so I'm liking some of Kissing's uh, comments. She just said, uh, "Wealthy and rich people are playing with they. people's lives because they can. It's not always because they're an organized plan in place ahead of time. It's often oppor- opportunistic in response." And so there's a thing we say on the show often that don't uh, don't chalk up things to being nefarious that can easily be explained with na- explained today with malfeasance or stupidity. But yeah, but this is a good. Ex- this is a one of the most clear cut examples you'll get of uh having connections of not what you know but who you know and it's pretty blatant and it's well and it's and it's obvious that right like the i can't remember who and then eight uh you're not that guy also just said they're doing what's in their best interest evil intent or not not that's not what's in the people's best interest yeah that's exactly right that's exactly right so 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 what i would say is that this the the what we call the corporate oligarchy isn't necessarily this like uh nefarious uh organization of of CEOs and what have you but it's more of a byproduct than anything else if that makes sense it's a it's a byproduct yeah. of people's self-interest anyway do you have anything else i got to piss like a racehorse we're getting getting towards well, the end drink here. a beer at nine o'clock in the morning dan and i had and i had two cups of coffee it's noon easy relax uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find us, Corey? Yeah. Or try if you well, can find it. Libservative podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at libservativepod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe. Today. Don't get bogged down by all the we haters actually had a out couple there. People subscribe from twitch we enjoy you we uh we appreciate you joining the show and adding adding uh some context to it and adding a little bit of uh engagement it makes the conversations a little bit more fun uh we typically on wednesdays we're doing a brunch special because i don't know if you caught it at the top my little boy hurt his foot had taken urgent care he could still walk thank god didn't have to cut it off mm-hmm. didn't have to uh, god. yeah come hang out we're usually here at uh yeah, come hang out on Wednesdays. Everyone should if drink I a beer a at 9 a.m. I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's Remind you how awful you'll feel for breaking the normal rules of life. <laughs> 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 now, if you keep drinking till the 9 p.m. Anyway. Oh, four belt and body snatcher on the ones and twos. He, as always, is Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative Intellectual Idiots Fostering Political and Cultural Literacy. And until next time, we are out of here.
We the people cannot turn that.